Hey, this is Aaron Walker, founder of View From The Top. You're listening to On Face Edge with Joe Taylor. My case isn't against her. My case is against the enemy and what he's trying to do in her life. One of the things that I love about God so much is that when he does something, you know that he did it. Just like you said, this has to be God, right? (laughs) This is not normal. Man, I love Aaron Walker. Love the guy, man. Special, special kind of guy. He's one of those guys that just exudes joy and encouragement. Thank you so much for the introduction, Aaron. Not only is this guy a successful entrepreneur, he's one of the most genuine guys I've ever met. Aaron just released a new book called View from the Top. You can hear our conversation at onfaithsedge.com slash 57. That's onfaithsedge.com slash 57. Well, hello. Welcome to the 83rd episode of On Faith's Edge. My name is Joe Taylor recovering atheist and your servant in Jesus Christ. This is your place to hear conversations about God and living a life of faith in Jesus Christ. Over the past few years, we've heard trials and struggles and victories from Grammy Award winners, best-selling authors, professional athletes, Dove Award winners, and other entertainers, authors, speakers, and prominent business people. People like Michael Sweet from Striper, John Schlitt of Petra, Pat Boone, Joe Smallbone, comedian Shonda Pierce, Danny Gokey, and baseball great Daryl Strawberry shared their faith and much, much more with us. All are amazing, inspiring, and thought-provoking stories. But you know what? Now I want to hear from you. I want to hear your story. We're introducing a new segment called Your Story, where you tell your story of faith with all the triumphs, failures, frustrations, miracles, and celebrations. What is your faith story? How did you come to know Jesus Christ? Have you ever struggled with your faith? What has God brought you through? And if you don't believe in God, I'd like to hear why and have a chat with you about that. Visit onfaithsedge.com slash your story. That's onfaithsedge.com slash your story your story. I really appreciate those of you who have reached out so far to tell us uh, tell us your story. I'm preparing those talks now and we'll bring them to you in episodes to come. Again, if you want to share your story, go to onfaithsedge.com slash your story. I really love bringing you engaging conversations about faith and some of the artists and authors and entertainers and business leaders that we talk to. If this show entertains you, encourages you, informs you, or brings value to you in any way whatsoever, will you consider financially backing the show? The best way to do that right now is to use any Amazon link at onfaithsedge.com. That's any Amazon link at onfaithsedge.com. We'll get a modest commission from the purchase and it doesn't cost you a penny more. And I would sincerely, sincerely appreciate it. Today's guests are Reginald and Renee Morris. Reginald and Renee are the authors of Resurrect Your Dead Marriage. And this is an amazing story. They've been married for more than 30 years. And now taking what they've learned after the resurrection of their own marriage, after three separations and a contested divorce, and sharing it with others in the body of Christ. They are founding pastors of Restoration Church International in Athens, Athens, Ohio. Their ministry to marriage offers hope and support for couples, but also provides additional resources for the church and its vital role to help couples bring glory to God through their marriages. And let me tell you something, this is a really fantastic story. Reginald found out that Renee was seeing another man. Renee was asking for a divorce and their marriage and family was in shambles. 
they found a way, a scriptural method, I guess you would say, to resurrect what was their dead marriage. And this is a fantastic book and a fantastic resource uh, for all married couples. It's called Resurrect Your Dead Marriage. And in this conversation, we're going to we're going to discuss the two main reasons long-time marriages fail. And and what is exactly the true majority in a marriage? That's a very interesting concept. I think you'll love to hear about this. Uh, who is the issue really with and why a marriage in crisis needs resurrected, not necessarily restored? The Christian church statistically is no better at marriage than the secular world. We know that. And in fact, what we're finding out is the Christian church is not only no better statistically than the secular world, but we are coming to accept divorce and separation and basically throwing away what God has, what God has put together. We've come to accept that. I have asked Reginald and Renee Morris to come on the show today to talk about just this issue. It's going to surprise you guys. They have an interesting story. I'll let them tell it, but I, I, I will say this. It, it's a story of courage and honor and healing, and it's a tough one to tell. Reggie, Renee, thank you for coming on the show. Thanks for having us. Thank Glad you. Glad to be here. Thank you. Thank you. Your book is Resurrect Your Dead Marriage. You have a great story. Uh, most stories are great because of how they end, <laughs> not how they began right. or that messy middle. You have a great story because it has a great ending. Tell us your story. Well, you know, one of the things I, I'll start before my story, I'll talk just a bit about the statistics you were just saying. You know, you know 33% of the, our populace is in America actually getting into divorce. And when you look at the Christian church today, uh, you know, it's more 35 to 40 percent of couples that are ended in divorce. And, you know, the the thing that's really sad to me is when you speak of, you know, all the Christian groups, you would think about Catholics and others. It's the evangelicals who actually have the highest uh, divorce rate among the entire church of all. So why that's important is because when you start looking at our story, you know, I've I've been a pastor. I have had ministries. you know, I've got 20 years in ministry. So you would think that, you know, my wife and I would have our act together when it came down to marriage. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't even, you know, we've counseled hundreds of, of other uh, couples on their marriage and, and seen them come from back from the brink. And ourselves, we had already uh, been through two separations. In fact, we went through three separations and a contested divorce. So that's the crust of our, our story. And so what has happened here in recent years was that uh, one day my wife out of nowhere came and said she wanted a divorce. And there was no talking her out of it. You know, no matter, uh, you can get the Bible, you can talk uh, anything you want. She was done. She was out. She was packed her bags and she was gone. And so at that literally, point, <laughs> literally. And at that point, a decision had to be made. You know, I had to make a decision, and that was, what do you do when your spouse has either fallen in love, in this case she had fallen in love with someone else, or uh, moved, or they've decided not to uh, want to stay married? 
And, you know, I, we, I've been to counseling and everyone I talked to was says, you know, it takes two people to be in a marriage. And so, you know, <laughs> buddy, I think you got to, your choice has already been made for you. That's the advice I kept getting over mm-hmm. and over again. But when I went to my prayer closet, the Lord had a different answer for me. He took me back to his word and he showed me that in a marriage, there is three partners. There's the, the course of two who said, I do, and then it's him that came in covenant. So what he showed me is that even though my wife had decided not to be in marriage, in, engage in a marriage any longer, there was still two-thirds of that, mar- that, that, that relationship that was still in place. And that gave me the foundation to be able to, to do some things about it. Take us through the, there was infidelity? Yes. Is that correct? Okay. Uh, you're a pastor's wife at the time. We were not pastoring at the time. Okay. Take us through how you found out Reggie and what you were feeling at the time, because context is important. Yeah. We have a journey that we're going on. We can talk about how it ended, but that doesn't give it context until we know what the journey was. So take us through the journey. How did this happen? I mean, you're a Christian couple. You knew the rules. You knew the strategies. Right. You said it yourself. You, you understood. Uh, you you probably had every box checked off. Probably exactly. went to Promise Keepers conferences and uh, read the books and, and got, yeah. did 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 all the did all the tapes and the had accountability the, what, what groups. Would Jesus and, do, uh, yeah, you had the you got your, you got your you got your real men love Jesus bumper sticker and the yeah. whole thing. And I'm not making light of it, but this is a problem. So, Renee, take us through. How this happened? So um, we've been married for thirty years. We have never actually gotten divorced, but we got really, really close to it. And before our um, most recent situation occurred, we had been separated two other times um, for a relatively short period of times, and we both decided at the end of those separations that we wanted to reconcile. And so. Again, we knew the right thing to do. We believed in God. We knew that there was a purpose for our life, and so we wanted to make it work. Um, Probably about three years ago, it was three years ago, I um, had what I thought was a pretty minor accident. It ended up being very traumatic for me, both physically and mentally, and it really took me down a path that enabled me to, I would say, stray away from the things that I thought were the most meaningful for me and that really helped me keep my balance and um, be the person who I am. And so I'm struggling at this time with myself and loving myself. And it was very easy for me at that time to see everything that my husband did that was wrong or that I didn't like or that I was tired of or that I didn't want to deal with anymore. And I came to the conclusion at the time that I was just going to go out on my own. And I didn't really leave my husband. I left God because what I did was I I stopped doing the things that I knew to do that would have kept me not only in that marriage, but in a close relationship with the Lord. And see, I was under the false impression because I called myself being a very intent, attentive husband that I felt like I had, you know, uh, husband points in the bank. 
You know, I've been there for, you know, she was she was going through some, you know, some mental and some other uh, physical issues. Um, you know, so I was very, very much involved. But what I did not know that there was things kind of happening behind the curtain. Uh, there was conversations that she was having, relationships she was having that were just out of my purview. And so, you know, um, the day when she came and said she wanted a divorce, it was you know, literally out of left field. And I was at the time trying to start my own business. That's mm-hmm. where I was headed. That's where I thought I wanted to be heading, I should say. And so, you know, I, I got my, my, I had a hundred things going on in my mind. And here comes my wife telling me where I thought she was having my back, right? That's what you need at that time. Um, here she's talking about, she's leaving. She's walking out the door. Now, one thing I will say for, for your listeners, um, I want to make sure that we, we're a, a, accurate on one thing. This relationship that she ended up getting in actually occurred after she left. So it wasn't, pre- it wasn't before. So I want to be clear on that point. Mm-hmm. You found out when she came to you and said she wanted out of the marriage. Right. You found out that obviously your marriage is in trouble. Your whole life is about to, your whole life is about to fall apart. Right. And you said before that uh, you had two paths that you can go on. You went on, you could have gone on the path that everybody was counseling you to go on, which is, hey, it takes two people to make a relationship and one of them's gone. The decision's been made for you. But God gave you some amazing insight, which frankly, I've never heard before, but it makes perfect sense. And it's biblical right. that no, one person may think they want out or may want out indeed, but we still got a majority here. Right. We have two thirds of the of, of this relationship still intact. What are we going to do? Reggie, what did you do? So I didn't give in to my my manly instinct because my manly instinct was pick up the phone, call my attorney. She had already called hers and then start that whole process. Um, instead, I ignored advice from friends and family and I just went into my prayer closet. Um, at the time, there was a movie out. Um, uh, it was a movie on prayer. Um, was, I think it was called Prayer Warriors or, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. And so, War Room. War Room. Thank War you. War Room, okay. War Room was out. And so uh, th- that actually, I was already doing the whole concept of a prayer closet, but that movie really, for me, uh, helped me to say, take a stop, go inside, and, and have a conversation with the Lord about it. And that's when the Lord said, well, Reginald, you actually, he just asked me, what do you want to do about this? And that was the first time my mind actually had the idea that I actually had a had a something I can do. And so what he did is he took me to his word and started sharing with me like uh, that. I did have an opportunity. It wasn't just her decision. It was my decision. In fact, he actually showed me the enemy's um, plan, the enemy's plan all along, because he already knew he had had gotten her to see. But it was about me giving up. Me throwing my hands up, thinking I didn't have anything to do, giving up all of the grace and, and the empowerment that God had put on my life, and then letting let the enemy come through and you know ravage our family and ravage all the people that we had you know been ministering to, and so that's when um, so after I had that conversation, which was a prayer time with the Lord, He started me down the process that we kind of outlined in the book, <clears throat> which number one was you got to believe. You got to believe that God has a provision for marriages that are in crisis, just like ours. 
So that was the first thing. I had to get my faith up. I had to believe God that he would indeed do something about this. Even though my wife was having no conversation with me, there was nothing at all that was giving me an indicator that she would be coming back or our relationship would be whole. Renee, did, did Reggie make known that to you when you told him and this, he started the process and go down this path um, where did he make known to you, hey, you may be going, but we're not. Or Oh, yeah, he was very clear about that. And, in fact, that, to me, um, just made me even more frustrated and upset. Man. Because he wouldn't cooperate. Oh, she he thought was I was making cr- this difficult. Oh, she thought I was being crazy. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I, was, I mean so, that yeah, was the was, word was I was being thrown around clear. at the time. He was very clear that he was not interested in getting a divorce. So you wanted you wanted none of healing at that time. No, you wanted none of reconciliation. No, and I had to realize that even though I wanted reconciliation, that's not what my goal had to be. And that's the thing that I think a lot of people miss in this. When you when you go into this whole process called a marriage resurrection, your goal cannot be for the reconciliation of the marriage. It must be for the uh, reconciliation of your brother or sister in Christ, who is your spouse, with God. That's where the focus has to be. And then at that point, you see that, you know, God's all his power— all his ability, all his resource, all the resources of heaven come to bear, right? We know he'll do it for an unbeliever, right? We have a lot of focus there. And but what says he won't do it for your spouse? He definitely will. And that's what my focus was. And so the Lord had to take me through a process of, of taking a step back, forgetting all my emotions. You can imagine where my emotions were all over the map at this point and saying, okay, focus on helping your sister. And in this case for me, get back in relationship with the Lord without having conversation with her. That's a key. You cannot have conversation with her because if I wasn't I, allowing that to happen anyway, man, you got a task ahead of you. Yeah. This was not <laughs> you a have persuasion. A guy that doesn't want to talk to your this wife. Is not a conversation. <laughs> You've got a wife that doesn't want to talk yeah, to you. Just wasn't and you got to, and you got to, you got to resurrect this marriage. Yes. I had to do it like pronto. <laughs> wow. The whole the whole family needed this. Do you have kids? Yes, we have four kids. Four kids. Okay, how old were the kids at this point? Uh, the kids were adult age at this point. Okay. They had just graduated from college. One who just graduated from law school. One who had just graduated from, you know, uh, NYU and others who were on their way out of school or in school. So we were at that phase of our lives. <laughs> Which, you know, um, I don't know if you know about this statistic, but the age group that we're in right now is the group that is getting divorced the most. Yeah. The baby boomers. The baby boomers are getting divorced four times faster than any other group. And it has to do with finances and children. Right. Children are out of the house. Finances are pretty well controlled. I can handle myself now. Right. I don't need to be bothered with this anymore. I can get out of the relationship. Once the idea of staying together for the kids, once that's gone, once you realize, you know, worst case scenario, and and you're both, you're both. We what we said in the introduction. Obviously, you're both well educated. Yes. And very successful people. Yes. In and of your own right. Mm-hmm. Right. Separately. Mm-hmm. Right. That. That will lead to a high. That that is leading to a higher statistic of divorce and separation because the 
backbone to the to the relationship, the glue, the kids and the money. We know it should have been God. Uh, Absolutely, are gone. Exactly, are gone. So at at what point? At what point? Uh, and and if there's some more process stuff to go along here, let me know, Reggie. But at yeah. what point did you say this is different? I I need to resurrect my marriage. So, I need to respond to so to this. I, I did not know what he was doing. I knew that he was not cooperating with me in my divorce proceedings. Can you hold that thought for just a second? Sure. Because we skipped over something. Yeah. Reggie, what were you doing? <laughs> that you weren't telling anybody. No, that's right. Exactly. I wasn't telling anybody. No, I didn't know. Right. There were, everybody knew what he was doing. Well, because no. <laughs> he was at church. He was praying. He was, you know, before the Lord. Right. But with the reality is, as you just said, not many people understood what I was doing mm-hmm. because, you know, they knew that I was, you know, wanting God to, to get involved in my marriage. But they, they, that's as far as most people could understand. And unfortunately, in the body of Christ, this revelation that God has given me and is, I'm now trying to share with the rest of the body is unknown, unfortunately. And so as a result, you know, as I try to explain it to some people, uh, most people just couldn't get it. Now, my pastor, um, praise God, had, a, had been through a divorce himself. And so when he and I started to engage in this conversation, um, he basically had a different heart than most people did. So his heart was, was uh, sensitive. And he was willing to engage in this process. And, of course, you know, he made sure that step by step we were going scripturally down the path, that we weren't, I wasn't just some loony band who was trying to make something coerced out of the word, right? And so that gave me the guardrails that I needed. But basically what I was doing was finding what God's plan really is. And it's a laid out plan in his word. And, it, and there's some process things that you need to definitely do. Ultimately, it comes down to this. You're going to build a love bridge between yourself and your spouse for the purpose, and this is all done in the spirit, for the purpose that Jesus Christ himself will walk across that love bridge that you've built that's based, uh, that's based on the principles of the word, and it allows him to enter, go into her life and to have that conversation he needs to have. Now, all of, each of us can remember the day we got saved, Right. Well, marriage resurrection is just like that. It's a day. It's an event. And what happens is, remember, what he does is he resurrects the marriage. It's now dead. He brings it back to life. And he does that by going across, going to the other spouse, and basically rescuing them from the, very, the plan that the enemy had for him. That's what he does. So you, talk, you talked about building a love bridge. Yes. So, so God can walk across that bridge. Yes and do the work that he needs to do on the spouse, the man or woman. Yeah. See, okay. Th- right. So the, what does that, what are the materials of that bridge? <laughs> what are the building blocks of that bridge? What does that in, in, and I'm going to ask you to use a little conjecture here, but yeah. what are the building blocks of that bridge? And why, why can't, why do you think God just doesn't do it? Okay. Well, first of all, she has her own will. And so that's, that's the thing. He can't just interrupt the process and go over and have this conversation with us. Like we just said, that's not what she wants to do. 
Okay. So there has to be in the spirit, there has to be a process where um, someone is standing in the gap. And that's what I ended up doing was standing in the gap, pleading on her, pleading before him on her behalf. Now, remember, my case isn't against her. My case is against the enemy and what he's trying to do in her life. See that the enemy always loses. His case will always be will come back um, and for me, the defendant. Right. Because God is never going to give the enemy his due. He's never going to give over one of his children if he's got someone standing in the gap. Go back and look at with Job. That's exactly what Job was in Job's situation when uh, Job was be when the uh, when Satan went before the Lord and was pleading on behalf of Job. Right? It's that whole scenario that's happening every single day in every one of our our Christian lives. So when I was standing in the gap, this is what the Lord was showing me that as I began to be sensitive to His Spirit and started praying specifically about certain things that I had no knowledge of what was going on in her life, what I was doing was giving him the ability to make a judgment on, on the, on the very word. Cause remember he told us to bring his word, bring, make him in remembrance of it. That's all I was doing. I made him in remembrance. I prayed it on her behalf. And so what was happening, he was saying, yep, I want that done. I said I wanted it done. And so he was sending out his angels to make it happen in her life. Now I did not know the effect you know, the, the, the everyday things that were happening. And, you know, she can speak to some of those things. Renee, speak to some of those things, if you will. What, what did you, what, what feelings, what ideas, what thoughts in your spirit, in your mind, uh, came on you that, that led to, that led to you realizing this is, this is, this is where I need to go. I need to resurrect this, this marriage. So again, um, you know, even though this happened over the course of several days, months, even before that resurrection happened, there was a series of experiences that I went through that when I look back and we talked about it afterwards, there were times when he prayed for me that I'm certain that I probably wouldn't even be here today if he had not prayed. Um, There were times when, you know, I was in the wrong place at the wrong time. I was doing the wrong thing with the wrong person, and he's praying for me. I didn't know that, but I believe that it was his prayers that helped me. Along the time, around the time that the marriage resurrection occurred, um, I was at a, I would say, a crossroads in my life. I really felt as if, if I had not, I had to make a decision. And it, it was either going to be, we're never going to get back together again, or I'm going to have to change my mind. And I will tell you, I, I did not know what I was going to do. I, didn't, I knew in the back of my mind what I should do. But that's not what what I was feeling at the time. But what happened to me was I had a period of just, I would call it unrest. I literally could not sleep. And I had so many things going through my mind. And I will tell you that 
it's supernatural because one of the things that happened to me was I started to see and understand so many of the things that my husband had been doing and saying and feeling over the years that I had misinterpreted, that were miscommunications, that I just took the wrong way. The Lord showed to me, showed me what he was actually doing and what was actually happening. And then I started to realize, wow, I had this all along. I was taking advantage of it. I took it for granted. I didn't, you know, um, treat it the way that I should have. And that's what started the turnaround for me is when I started to really see who my husband really was in my life and what he had actually provided to me as a covering all those years. Yeah, so what I wanted to do for your listeners to get a little practical here. And, and so, so, so for example, you know, um, I remember one time I was praying and uh, the Lord had, uh, it was a, he put it on my heart. I was driving home. He said, go get her mail because all her mail was still coming to our home. Go get her mail and uh, go deliver it to where she was staying. Now, you have to understand, I didn't know where she was staying. Okay. So I had to go find this place. Uh, and he kind of gave me some ideas of how to figure that out. When I got there um, and I went to put the, the mail in our mailbox, uh, a gentleman came to the door. That was how I found out that this was the person she was, she was, she was involved with someone else. Okay. So, so immediately that started, of course, for me, you know, who is this person? What's going on? Da, 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 da. And I had to take my mind and stop doing something a lot of people do. Stop your imagination. Because that is immediately what you want to start doing. What's going on here? So I immediately had to take it to the Lord. I said, okay, Lord, it seemed like there's another person involved here. Thank you for revealing that fact to me. So what happens is, what do you want me to do with this fact? He said, I need you to start praying. I need you to start. So what I started doing was uh, specifically praying. uh, He kept putting uh, uh, things in my heart to pray against their feelings one for another. Now, I didn't know this. Later on, I found out that not only she has fallen in love with him, she was, they were planning on getting married after the divorce had become finalized, right? So it turns out that as we um, started, you know, once we reconciled, I found out that once I started praying, literally to the day, their relationship started going downward, literally. Um, now, I'm actually friends with this, this third-party person. In fact, he's actually he's written in the book. He's wrote, wrote some uh, parts in the book so that people can, you know, people can understand what actually happens to that third party in, in this whole process. And that there's restoration for that. And there's restoration too. for that person as well. And so only God can do this. Yeah. <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm just going to be very transparent and authentic with you. The first thing I thought is, are you nuts? <laughs> this is a guy who fill in the blank. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Who did, you know, did and went and, and the grace of God that you allowed to come into your heart and you are friends. You use the word, you know that, use the word friend. Yes. With this man. Yes. And he wrote a part in the book, Resurrect Your Dead Marriage. This is an amazing story, Renee. This is an amazing story. It's an amazing experience. And 
One of the reasons why we felt so strongly about writing this book is because we've never heard of any of this happening before. There was no help for him to do what he did, save his relationship with the Lord and getting into the scripture. But now we have a blueprint for what the Lord has to say about this, and we can help other people not have to go through what we went through. It took us 104 days from the time that I said I wanted a divorce until the marriage resurrection occurred. Maybe it doesn't have to take that long. Let's talk about this blueprint. Of course, we can't flesh the entire thing out here now, but you mentioned before, Reggie, let's get practical. And that's what I want to do. Somebody in our audience right now is dealing with exactly what you guys went through. Take us down where they should start. Take us down the path of where they should start. Uh, some practical advice, some resources possibly that, that, that they can uh, access and uh, take us through that process. Before he goes there, there's one thing that I want to say, and that is two of the things that get in the way of this happening and why marriages are in crisis right now is because of self-preservation, and spiritual immaturity. That's at the crux of all the issues that you deal with. It's when you think of yourself more highly than you do the other person, and so you're trying to save yourself. And it's also when you are immature in the spirit, and you're unable to enact the principles that God has already laid out. He already has the the answers to everything. But if you're not strong enough in your faith, and you're not willing to go into the Word and actually do what it says, because He's going to tell you one of the things is looking in the mirror at yourself and coming away with an accurate picture of what you donated to the relationship. You know, uh, the advice I would have for somebody today, they don't have to go the route I had to go through, which is the discovery of all of this. One of the things the reason is I, I really wanted people to realize you know, for just a few dollars, you could get everything in this book. That's number one. And it becomes a roadmap. In fact, you know, I had a brother of mine call me uh, a couple months ago. He went to the same situation in our, in our, in our, just like us. And uh, so he said, you know what, I'm going to get your book. Oh, well, you know, when, you know, you got, I'm an Arthur. I got a brother who's calling me. I'm like, yeah, you're really going to get my book, right? He literally got my book. He actually got two copies of the book. And uh, literally, chapter by chapter, he's calling me going, oh, my God, that's exactly what I need right now. So that's the first thing I would say is, you know, one of the things we did is we condensed everything in a, a, a how-to kind of book so that you can know step by step. The second thing that we have done is we created a pastoral counseling service specifically targeting uh, people in crisis. Not just general marriage counseling. We we we're working on uh, people who are similar situations like that. So you can talk to uh, myself or other counselors like myself who can walk you through this process. So you don't have to walk it alone. And then the third thing here is what we've done is we've actually provided additional resources around you so that whether we're, no matter where you are in the United States, we can get you the help you need. Because what we found is we done some, we found some research that really says that you know. Uh, 80, I think it's 87% of the pastors believe that they have re- adequate resources in their church, but yet 33% of the people ever utilize those resources within the church. 
So what's end up happening is by the time most people, uh, the churches find out the person they're, they're they're going through crisis, they've already divorced. That's sad. And that's what we're trying to do is change that by giving people the access to resources, uh, uh, books, and other things that will be able to help them get through without having to try to figure it out on their own. Do you think that the church today, when it comes to dealing with this issue, is ill-equipped or ill-informed? Well, they're ill-equipped in the sense that like most churches don't have uh, dedicated resources like a uh, marriage and family pastor, someone focused on those resources, okay? Generally, what they've done is they've outsourced counseling to a group of individuals, or maybe the pastor's trying to do the, all the counseling for the whole church, right? That's intimidating for a, a couple to try to, to go and expose their whole life for their pastor, Right. So that's why a lot of couples, according to the research, don't want to do that. So one part, they're ill-equipped. The other part is they're ill-informed. They're ill-informed because they the church believes that they have done everything and they know all their people. And that's inadequate. Think about it. You go to church. You've got this situation where you're coming to receive a, a message and then you are somewhat doing a social engagement and you're out the door not to see each other till next week. So to think that you're actually preparing or providing uh, the right type of programming. In fact, I'll, I'll leave it with this and say this. The average church only discuss marriage three times a year. That's the average church. That's the average church conversation whatsoever. I'm not talking about divorce. I'm talking touch with touching the subject in any way. So what happens the other 48 times or excuse me, 49 times in a year? Let's see. One of those times is Mother's Day. One of those times is Father's Day. What's the third? And then you got Christmas. Don't forget Christmas, we got the Christmas. Oh, yeah. One and Easter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So my my point is, there's not enough. Not enough right. happening. Right. How's the marriage now, Renee? It's good. What's What's interesting? I gotta stop here. <laughs> I gotta stop here. This is an audio show. If you could see the smile on Renee's <laughs> face right now, it's inspiring. You are full of joy. Yeah. For a relationship that you wanted nothing to do with just a short time ago. It had died. Yeah. So when, when we talk about marriage resurrection. On. Hmm? One of the things that I love about God so much is that when he does something, you know that he did it. Just yeah. like you said, this has to be God, right? <laughs> this yeah. is not normal. Yes. Yeah, this wasn't. See, a lot of people have a lot of terms. That's one of the things that God had to do with me is straighten out our terms. We in the church have our terms all screwed up, right? When we say marriage, you know, oh, you're going to get your marriage restored. We're basically talking about, oh, you guys are going to get back together. Matter of fact, marriage restoration and marriage reconciliation are kind of interchangeable in most people's minds. But they're not is, the same. But they're not the same. In fact, marriage restoration has a very specific meaning biblically. It means that that's when the marriage is going to be restored to God's original plan. So that's what's happening to us right now. We're, we've already been through, we've already know what the reconciliation feels like. We've already been through a marriage resurrection, right? And what God is doing now for us is we're in the marriage restoration. The original plan he always had for us at the day we said, I do, which we weren't really living at, 
He's he's doing things in our lives now to make that happen. And it's not just having an effect on us. It's having an effect on our children. Oh, our whole family has been restored. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. Not only are our kids closer to us, but they're even closer to each other. And even their, their dreams. I'm talking about their careers and things are happening differently as a result yeah. of this. I mean, for example, um, if I talk about my daughter, who's 25 years of age, at the time this was going on, she was going through mental health issues. She had gained a lot of weight. She was, she was home. Uh, she didn't know where her career was going. I mean, it was really a mess, right? But in the process of all this healing, right, God changed everything around. She got a phone call from an a internship she had done when she was in high school. And today she is the youngest um, development executive in television. And she's over at TBS and they're turning that network around. And she gets um, on a daily basis. She's always asked like, uh, you know, people like, for example, she was with an uh, interview or meeting with Spike Lee just the other day. And Spike stopped the meeting and said, how old are you? You know, uh, because he was pitching his show to her. So. You know, because that's un, that's uncalled, that's just un, unheard of. A twenty-five, our son who had just graduated from law school um, at the time, all this was going on in our life. Who had basically, I'll share this with you. There was a day I actually had to go to a uh, psychiatric hospital when all this came down. The stress from this was just so great. I had a I had a mental breakdown. I my my son came uh, at that time and. Uh, basically told me he will never have anything to do with me ever again. And you can imagine how that crushed me. Well, you know, just a couple of weeks, what was it, a couple of weeks ago? Yeah. Yeah, just a couple of weeks ago, we just came back from uh, Cancun where we were at his wedding. He's married now. He's, and we spent the whole week together with yeah, the newlyweds. With the newlyweds. They wanted <laughs> they to spend the whole week. They couldn't get enough of us. <laughs> no, the whole week. And now he calls me and just, you know, and on Father's Day, oh wow, uh, wow yeah. yeah, on Father's Day, um, I got gifts from every one of the kids. I got brand new watches from every one of the kids. Wow. So, um, so like I said, um, this when when God does this work, it's not just okay. Let's get you guys back together again and wipe your tears away. That's not what happens when He does this work. Just like He did when He separated you from from death and put you into life in Christ. He does the same thing in your marriage conversations that we used to couldn't have. I used to try to, we used to talk and she'd be like, I ain't having none of that. I didn't have to have that conversation anymore. When, when the marriage resurrection occurred, she knew all of those things because he had those conversations with her. I didn't have that. I got it. I got it. She finally got it. (laughs) Okay. And same thing with me. And then the other part about it is now where we're headed to the other part of marriage restoration, and this is actually going to be another book I'll have to write, is it's like an onion. It has many layers to it, but it's about bringing all the dreams that you've ever had come into pass. And it's not just about the relationship between you and spouse. It's about your ministry dreams. It's about your business dreams. The impact about the, that you're going to have. The impact you're going to have world. on the world. The legacy you're going to live. The All of that is all tied into yeah. this thing. It's the reason why right now the church is actually very, very weak and not having a lot of influence on the body and the, in the world. Because we lo- we've lost our first love. Now, we, we believe we're still in love with Christ, right, in God. The problem is he's already said in his word, how can you have a love relationship with him and not love your neighbor, right? You got a love problem. 
And that's what's happening. And what's happening is because so many of us are willing, love starts in the home. It doesn't start at the church. So if the, if the homes are too easy to get rid of the love that's in the home, what do you got at church? You got dry bones. And that's what's happening. And that's the reason why God asked us to start this ministry, write this book, and really try to get this message out there to get people's lives changed. Uh, through all this, through this process, did you ever question your faith or even the existence of God? So I never questioned the existence of God. My faith was in question because I had, again, like I mentioned earlier, I had some situations that I was dealing with that I couldn't understand. Why can't I get through this? You know, so I I questioned my faith, but I, I always knew in my heart that I was a child of God. I just wasn't as strong and following him the way I needed to. Mm. So my answer is different. The answer is absolutely. I question my, my relationship with God and even the existence of God. Cause I found myself, you know, when all this came down, I was in the middle of a, a million dollar deal. I was buying a company and I lost the $300,000 I had put up. <laughs> so, you know, all of this happening at this time, you had your son come and tell you, you're no good. I don't want that to any anymore. Your wife has left you. Uh, you're unemployed. Uh, you know, you just moved into a new home. The home's about to be taken away from you. Yeah. So there I was in the belly of that, uh, uh, psychiatric hospital sitting on that bed and going, okay, woe is me. And uh, God must not be real. But then I had to, the, the, that, that literally lasted not very long because I, all I had to start doing was start thinking back. You know, we have at this point have been married 28 years. And so there, there are plenty of other stories that we have where God has been faithful to us. You know, he has not just done it in our marriage, but he's, you know, I, I remember where we started from. You know, uh, I come from a family of six kids, or eight. eight kids. I'm number six, sorry. And, uh, you know, when I went to college, there was no money. There was, uh, you know, I, I grew up wearing my brother's hand-me-downs. I mean, I, I come from that background. My, my wife comes from living in Chicago, being raised by a single mother, um, all kinds of situations. So for us to be where we are, even at that point, it was done by God's grace. So for me to sit up there and start talking about that God isn't real, it's like, get, get real, brother. Get real right now. And so that's, like I said, that pity party only lasted for a moment. But then after that, I was able to start. Once I did that, uh, an amazing thing actually happened while I was in the, the psychiatric hospital. After I got done with that, um, the Lord just said, you know what? Get your Bible out. Because it, it, it had a long hallway. Like we have a long hallway. He said, get your Bible out and read, and read your Bible out loud up and down this hallway. Now, I was in that hospital for seven days. At first, they, they thought I was very, very crazy to be reading my Bible out loud. And I'm not talking about like, blah, 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 blah. I mean, like reading the Bible verse by verse out loud. I mean, for every break, all I did is after we went to have dinner, I came back. I just walked at all from the time I woke up to the time I went to bed. And what I did, what was happening is he was building his word back in me because I had become very empty at that point. And so, and the amazing thing is, um, Miracles started happening right there in the hospital. You know, people got saved. I wasn't trying to, they just, uh, people just started walking behind me. 
you know, going, what? They get, the, they find a Bible and they start walking behind me. And one lady just fell out in the spirit behind me. Wow. <laughs> and wow. to the point where at the end of the seven days, they said, you have to get out of here. Just get out of here. <laughs> you, 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 I don't know what's going on with you, but just go. So well, people are getting better and run them out of business. <laughs> yeah, they were like, yeah, you're picking people out of the, out of the and you could tell the people who were, you know, had, you know, spiritual issues too, because they didn't want no part of me. But, um, my, my point to all of that is this, that really when you are at your lowest, you'll find the Lord there. Just clear your mind of all that gunk. Stop talking to all your friends and family. Because there's no answers in each other necessarily. There are answers in Christ. Now, he may use another brother or sister, but most of us don't really aren't there. Those are telling you about what they think. If, if, if we are being uh, true believers in Christ, we should always be leading each other back to God, always back to his word, always back to the Lord. So what happens is, and people don't necessarily want to hear that, but that's what you really need to hear at that time. I think the biggest nugget of wisdom that I, that I got from this conversation, folks, is this. We'll just use the word her because of this situation. Yeah. My case isn't against her. My case is against the enemy. Yes. The book is Resurrect Your Dead Marriage by Dr. Reginald and Renee Morse. What an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. I am so inspired by your joy. Well, thank you. Um, Is the Lord. God bless you guys. Thank, thank you, you so much. Thank you so much for having us. <laughs> Take care. Thank you. To find out more about Resurrect Your Dead Marriage, go to divorceproof.org. That's divorceproof.org. And the book is available at our website at onfaithsedge.com slash 83. That's onfaithsedge.com slash 83. And again, if you use the link on our website to buy the book, We'll get a small commission and it doesn't cost you a penny more. And remember, before we go, I want to hear your story. Go to onfaithsedge.com slash your story and we'll get together and chat. That'll wrap up today's show. Thank you to Reginald and Renee Morris for being with us. And thank you for listening. You mean a lot to me and you mean a lot to this show. Remember, God is real. He loves you. And so do I. God bless. Thank you for listening to On Faith's Edge. You can subscribe to the show via iTunes, Stitcher Internet Radio, or your favorite podcast app on Android, Apple, or Windows devices. To reach out to Joe or leave comments about the show, visit onfaithsedge.com. You're important to us, and we would love to hear from you.